0: You're listening to the Degrees of Freedom podcast, conversations about higher education in the 21st century between students and teachers. Produced at the University of Columbia. Welcome to Degrees of Freedom. This is the eighth episode of uh, season one, as we like to think about it. And I think it's the second to last episode that we're recording before the summer break. I'm here with Colm Forthin, uh, my co-host for the last few episodes, and uh, here to talk about a, um, a topic that is uh, personally interesting to him, uh, one of the topics that we've been discussing for the last couple of months. Uh, Colm, uh, introduce the topic for us.
1: Yeah, so today we're going
0: to be talking about, first of all, thank you, Tassos,
1: for that lovely introduction. We're talking about individual and personal growth today, and of course, because it is a university-based podcast uh we'll obviously be talking about it from the context of uh, being a student or being someone affiliated with the university and growth over perhaps a degree whether that's a bachelor's or a master's or yeah your time being a student um as someone that's been a student for the past yeah eight years now it's it's of something then of personal relevance something that i've had to and really desire to think about to a, a great extent over the last years, and uh, and in many ways still trying to figure out all the nuances about growth. So conversations like this is part of that process for me. And yeah, today we have a guest with us, Selina Uh Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm very um, happy to be here.
1: Yeah, Selina is a, a teacher at the Faculty here at the Behavioral and Social Sciences Faculty here at the University of Hoheneggen. And she's also a coach. Um, so I believe that is obviously something which growth is so important. and you also have some other projects that i, I I've been um, that has come to my awareness before the podcast. So for example, as a founder of a nonprofit organization as well, uh, women growing together, is that correct?
2: Yes, indeed. it's yeah. very nice that you actually found that one
1: mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, I think you'll you'll have a lot of contributions. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about the topic for what we can kind of create um, together, us three, today, uh, as far as this conversation. And perhaps the best way to start is to simply, yeah, explicate what growth really might mean. And maybe you can help with us, uh, help with that, uh, Selena. Maybe you can draw from any personal experiences as well.
2: Yeah, I think uh, that's a very, very nice question to start off with. What does personal growth mean as a student, as a lecturer, as a teacher, as a self-employed person? And indeed, I think I'll use my own experience because that's easiest or that's also, I think, the strongest tool that I have that I use with students. Um, Tassus asked me, so how long are you in the teaching unit now? How long are you teaching? What have you done before that? And it's quite a few different things. So I'm not one of these people that goes out of high school, started university, goes out of university, starts an academic career or whatever, but more of a maybe generalist that has multiple experiences. And I think it starts off maybe with my high school education, which was very challenging to come here for me because I went to a Steiner school. So uh, anthroposophic school where everything is about self-efficacy a word that I learned to hate in that school. Uh, The German word for it is um, Selbstwirksamkeit. And it's a word that I kind of associated with that school that I do appreciate it, but also hate it at times. And then coming to a Dutch higher education meant actually fitting into a very narrow system to some extent. I had to answer a lot of multiple choice questions that I was not capable of, that I was not very good at. And then I learned to actually say, well, what I have learned there is to have values, to know why I'm doing certain things. And that has really helped me to thrive. So, for example, it's nice that you picked up on the women business meters, it's called, um, which I'm not doing at the moment anymore. And I'm a co-founder. I think a very important difference because that's the part that I wish to facilitate in students also co-learning, cooperative learning, learning together, Um, if that is in thesis groups, if that is in multiple other groups. But that part is the most challenging in a very individualistic system, I think. So what is then personal development? And I think personal development in the academic system for me is bravery. Uh, And it's a term that we throw around, uh, that we think we all understand. For me, bravery means that um, I recently, and I have told the story to a couple of colleagues, uh, a couple of months ago, I started working in the press, which is a bar very close to the faculty, which was actually always a secret dream of myself to start working there. But I was so busy proving to myself that I can exist within an academic system and that I am capable because I'm at the end of the food chain. I'm a teacher. I develop group dynamics. I develop interpersonal skills. I help students to reflect, right? Something that I truly believe in, but I do not fit in the system because teaching is unfortunately uh, not valued as, as much as academic skills. So for me, the biggest step and the braver thing to do in the last year was actually to say, I love working in service. I love working in a bar, pouring beer for people or a soft drink or a tea or a coffee. And to admit to this, uh, while other people are impressed that last week, I went to Berlin and I gave a workshop there. And next week I'm going to Poland with this European funded project to pass on teaching skills. All impressive, but for me, meaningful and exciting and impressive is actually working one, two shifts uh, of a week in a bar. A bar where actually with a women owner, very important.
1: And, wh- and why would you say... That specifically, why you mentioned that was something that you thought about, or uh, maybe a little small dream of yours for a while. Why, why is it that that was held so much power for you, or especially in the context of growth? Let's say, uh, when, as you say, you had all these initiatives as a, you know, someone that also has many roles within the faculty or uh, in terms of higher education. Why was it this specifically? Do you think?
2: Very nice question. I think it's because that is not the predefined path and it's the honesty towards myself. And that's why I call it bravery in a way, because I'm honest and brave towards myself to stand up for something that nobody is showing me that this is the way to go. And I think there are many inspiring teachers out there, there are many inspiring colleagues, students, many inspirings out there. But to see the non-conventional path means a lot of work. I need to do a lot of self-reflection. I need to um, talk a lot about it. I also need to have my secret little dreams and reflect on them. But to then actually follow with action, and that's the self-efficacy thing, (laughs) returning, that actually means personal development at at its essence for me, but also in the literature, uh, is to be brave, to stand up and know who you are and what you want, but to engage in that process is very challenging and often needs a lot of cognitive capacities to actually go there. Uh, so I love that you're actually curious about this topic because indeed we need to talk about it because it's it means that we are learning or that we're talking about we can learn SPSS, we can learn PowerPoint, we can learn good presenting, um, but then to actually learn how to cope, how to deal with challenges how to know why i am doing the things i'm doing that is related to what is at my essence what is at my core what do i really want and that is very deep down in my values in my experiences and it took me 7 years to get there maybe now is also the time right and take some time and it is a development but that's why i think that's at the core for me
0: so um, we started this entire series of uh, episodes in this podcast by um, trying to explore the topic of what is university, what what good is university education about. And I remember back then with class uh, van Fein, we also um, uh, talked a lot about the differences or the 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 link between uh, professional and personal development and how. Uh, They must coexist together in order to have a meaningful university experience. This is, uh, I suppose, also what you're describing when you talk about um, skills, professional skills, SPSS or what have you, and knowledge, but also in parallel, the development of skills that are uh, uh, geared towards personal growth and personal development. So do you think that the university as a community and as as an organization has a duty to facilitate this, or even more so to to, uh, create situations in which personal growth is a necessity to go through a university degree?
2: Mm, I think maybe a few years back I would have said only yes, definitely it's the university's responsibility. But at this point... Um, I would say it's all of our responsibility. And I think that's why I really appreciate a Columns initiative to speak about personal growth as a student, as a lecturer, whatever role you hold, because there is no such a change as the system only change, the bottom up only change, top down only change, because that's what we realize also when it comes to, let's say, engaging in personal development in terms of, emotional engagement with uh, our own weaknesses, vulnerabilities. Uh, What kind of new leadership do we want to create? What kind of leading students do we want to create In in the sense of what you're saying, what kind of students are we delivering to the market? I want to deliver uh, students, especially psychology students, that know their own worth and own contribution to the market, which is humanizing the workforces, humanizing uh, the academic systems. Um, But then again, it also is on students to some extent to appreciate those courses that are within the program that facilitate that. And that's often courses like dialogue and group skills, communication skills, teaching skills so that the soft side of things or instructors mentors role models that are putting a lot of effort into creating group dynamics in collaboration for example in the thesis projects Um, appreciating those that put this effort into let's say the interpersonal skills but if students don't see or also restrict themselves to receiving grades only um, which, of course, is also part of it. And <laughs> you had some very nice podcasts on how do we actually want to assess in general. Um, I do think I would not say only yes anymore. I do want to say hmm, it is all our responsibility to be part of it and demand it. What do you think, Colin?
1: Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree. Like, I think one thing I realized is that just so much So much growth is happening outside of the classroom. You know, I think especially this second bachelor's degree that I've now undertaken in psychology, having done one previously in Canada, I I really believe that so much of it relies on the people you meet, you know, and the opportunities that may present itself for a passion project or for creating something with friends or pursuing some sort of goal and it is a bit I do think that the university yeah needs to have this unique contribution let's say to personal growth and that I believe that it needs to that that needs to be at the centerpiece of education you know and the curriculums that they try and develop yeah you you mentioned these soft skills that we learn in our courses and Those are some of the courses in which I felt like I learned the most from, you know, especially considering these more deeper themes or messages that you try to try to kind of parse out from after, yeah, three years of courses, you know, countless amounts of courses that, you know, I can't name and trying to think, okay, well, what are these deeper messages that have, you know, changed the way that I perceive the world or changed the way that I perceive myself? Uh, so I'm really happy that you mentioned some of these softer skills, but however, yeah, I think it's, it is good for people to realize that it's, you need to seek growth outside of the university, outside of the classroom as well. Uh, that growth is found through your classmates, through your connections, through networking, through, yeah, finding, finding some sort of artistic project that you, some hobby, uh, as simple as that, that you can connect with traveling, all these things. And so I I think I maybe have provided you with a bit of an answer. I, I can definitely relate to some of the things that you mentioned as far as, yeah, that it is this, it takes this, uh, a village, you know, this kind of messaging.
0: One of the things that um, struck me in your earlier, uh, what you said earlier, Selina, is um, uh, you, I, I love that you started by talking about bravery as being um, uh, the starting point for personal growth. You talked about it as honesty, how what I think of as authenticity, um, being authentic to yourself, your values, your uh, your goals, your, yourself, your experiences. I also really appreciated you mentioning your experiences being a useful tool. Tool, not just uh, something that is part of you, but something that um, uh, helps uh, uh, shape your actions and uh, direct your goals. How do you? Um, I think one of the most common questions that we've had when it when it comes to uh, the topic of personal growth is. How do you find a a strong relationship with your own authenticity, with your own self? How do you develop a sense of authenticity? How do you distinguish the external from the internal? And how do you maintain a strong relationship with it through the years and through different circumstances?
2: What a difficult and beautiful question. I think maybe I can share one moment that we had a couple of weeks ago in one of our classes in the trainer trainer classes. And it was um, kind of a group therapy session, I would call it. And uh, it relates a bit to what Colin said, knowing the self. Um, It was about a student's drawing uh, experience of being stereotyped or uh, seeing stereotypes around them. And the sharing of those drawings was very emotionally intense. But because we were at the end of our course, there was a safety, a psychological safety in the classroom where this was possible. And these people are very diverse in terms of backgrounds, gender, uh, sexual orientation, uh, looks, skin color. So each of them has a very different experience of stereotypes and what it means to them. So... To answer your question I think it starts with actually engaging in these very difficult emotionally loaded or maybe emotionally true um, spaces where we can actually share and I think we have and that's where I see the responsibility of the university we have people that can facilitate such Um, classrooms, such deep processing, but we often don't give acknowledgement to those that actually facilitate it. So then starting off would mean actually a reflection on who am I? What makes me emotional? How can I connect to other people? How can I see my own horizon? Um, Because you mentioned a point of who am I? Who is somebody else? How can I make this distinction? What is empathy then, right? Uh, I think Brenna Brown always has this very cute little, I think all of the students and BSS do know it, right? The little uh, video that we need to connect to something within ourselves to be able to connect to somebody else. And yeah, I think we are in that development and at this point where we actually look at ourselves to define that is my limited horizon or these are my experiences, these are the painful ones, these are the beautiful ones these are the ones that have shaped me Um, with the acknowledgement and that is maybe the part where I also need to say I have the privilege at this point to be the way I am and make the choices that I can make and I am aware not all students can make those same choices for example having multiple experiences such as uh, working in a university being self-employed and working in a bar. not everybody has that chance and that reflection in a way based on their starting point right um but then again starting point mine has also been quite challenging and then because of that starting point I am where I am today so yeah the answer is very much look at your own identity and start uh, to engage in these brave spaces where you actually share emotions and open up and see what does it do to me who are others and what, how does the world around them affect them?
1: Um, you, I'm, I'm really happy you mentioned something there, self-reflection, because I think we can all, we, we all agree that self-reflection is critical to understanding how you're going to grow, understanding the path that you need to take. And we we talked about curiosity as well. And I think those two go hand in hand. Maybe I have a question for you, because as someone, uh, truly both of you guys, as instructors, knowing very well how busy instructors are, and then you have your own projects, self-employed with this nonprofit organization, Metis, and also now taking on another job working in this bar, Tassos. Yes, I am very well aware of all your different commitments from this podcast to other projects that you're working on. How do you maintain this balance between being caught up in all these activities and these projects and pursuits and still having the time to take moments to reflect? Is there, and maybe I'm seeking either practical steps, you know, ways that you employ or simply lessons you've learned along the way. Perhaps I'll start with you, Tassos.
0: I um I think if you're hoping to to have tips on balance, you should look at the different part of the room in this case. I don't I find that my relationship with balance um, is uh, is always fraught or always challenging. I'm always rediscovering balance, so to say, or uh, perhaps the analogy would be that the I'm always trying to make sure that the spinning plates that are above my head, Spin and the ones that crashed don't crash in my head. I think that's the that's the best way that I can describe my relationship to all of this kind of um, all of these kind of activities, and uh, I sort of couple that at uh, on good occasions with uh, the acceptance that this is this is always at the forefront of what I'm capable of doing at any given time, and the the, the plates that end up crashing on the floor it's um it's acceptable as long as they don't have um uh severe casualties let's say or severe damage that is associated with them um if- yeah, as I said, I think for me the the relationship to all of these activities, the my own personal relationship with myself, my relationship with the people around me, uh, develops on a on a on a daily basis. Um, it develops by and through interactions like the one that we're having now, which I know I find enlightening and and fulfilling right now, and I know I will continue finding in this manner uh, in the foreseeable future as I reflect back on it. I take a lot of opportunities to, to walk. I, f- I find that to be for me the most useful way in which to reflect on my experiences and on myself. Um, one thing that I, I always hope to do and I never find the space, the bravery, the the, the, uh, the acceptance, whatever it, uh, is to ask for feedback from people whom I value and not necessarily... Um, are very close to me but people whom i value i think this is a really really powerful tool for reflecting one on one's development reflecting on one's skills Uh, what is frequently talked about as um, strengths and weaknesses which is a which is a way of um, thinking about it that i'm not personally very comfortable with but i can see the value of but on one's characteristics and how you embody these characteristics how you make use of them or not make use of them how you allow them to be obstacles or how you allow them to become tools for uh for growth for fulfillment for joy uh for uh lifting each other's spirits so selena i um uh, help me out here
2: yeah i think a uh, very nice question because i think that's something that we all um Exploring together, let's put it that way. Um, I think for me, it's three different advices or steps. I think one of them is uh, definitely acknowledging therapy, uh, acknowledging coaching, acknowledging helping organs. So for myself, it means that I needed to learn that I do not need to do things by myself. Um, I'm out of a family with four kids, a single mother um passing away parents, not being present parents. Um, so I learned to do everything by myself to then acknowledge I do not need to do things by myself. And at, for a long time, I thought I'm very good in using the system. And I think now I would say I'm very good in seeing what the system has on offer in terms of reaching out to my superiors. Can I get coaching, reaching out for personal development opportunities? Um, Going into therapy, for example, um, that I think is one that we are in this part of the world very privileged with. And we need to be, again, brave enough to just go and ask for help and not do it ourselves only. But we can also do that with peers. Metis, for example, what you mentioned. I was involved in it for five years. It was a kind of a self-help group. Also for me, a massive development. I learned there more, I think, than I learned in my university job at the time. The second thing is walking. <laughs> you mentioned it. I I walk in the evenings before I go to bed. Often, I uh, when I travel. I say I have so and so many hours for working and the other hours are to stare outside of the window. Um, being emotional, letting emotions just run through my body. Uh, it sounds spiritual, but it's mostly the moments that I have then to really just feel what is there. And I think the last point is very much being present. So, for example, it is not always possible, of course, but especially when I have human contact I want to be present because then what happens is an energy exchange. I had it a couple of weeks ago. I was teaching coaching and then uh, I sometimes go to the bathroom in between just to calm down, not to have human contact, to then be able to have contact again after. Or Now that I meet the two of you, I sat outside just the five minutes extra that I had to just say, okay, not be on my phone. I'm there, right? To then also be here in a way and that presence has really helped me to get energy back because in the classroom it means that actually students have very genius advice for me that day for example we were speaking about ethics and coaching and I was sharing certain parts because there's never a straight answer right and we were brainstorming about it my students were the best advisors that day Um, and without that presence I wouldn't be able to hear what they are saying and then you can keep on going. Then it's actually rather easy. Mm.
1: That's that's really beautiful in the way that you take being present itself as not carving out this moment. Uh, okay, at this moment, I'm going to do some self reflection. But being present in that current moment to as a, as really a means to be reflective. Uh, I really like that answer. I, I would love to hear more. Uh, about therapy and coaching, as you mentioned there. I think for some of our listeners, even for myself personally, who has a deep interest in coaching, I think the contributions, the unique contributions and different contributions from therapy and coaching can sometimes be a bit unclear and cloudy. Uh, perhaps you can kind of talk about how these two differ, what what they try to give uh, people that might be seeking Uh, such activities and then perhaps in terms of growth maybe their unique contributions as well
2: yeah always a very hard distinction to make and at the same time not that difficult when uh, when we're looking at therapy it's the question that you're coming with are you entering because you're looking at something from your past that severely impacts your life at the moment so that you cannot function in certain parts of your life. So very much what we know from the DSM, right? Um, It impacts your life on this and this scale. It impacts your social um, contact. It impacts how you're engaging in work. And if that is kind of between zero and minus 10, it's advised to go to a therapist because they trained in um, making you walk again, so to speak. A coach on the other hand is somebody that has similar tools but they work with people that say i can walk and i want to walk faster or i want to walk better or i want to lie down more often so it's more the idea of from zero to plus 10 where um some people using use the vocabulary of excelling flourishing becoming a better version of yourself um but it can also be accepting the way you are um but it's this distinction so the questions would be quite different in a way of more of a future focus or a past focus but then again there are certain levels that overlap and particularly the methods overlap positive psychology use in therapy and in coaching depending on the client's case acceptance and commitment coaching use for both Um, but then it's also a little bit the question if it's kind of a career advice for psychology students or for educational science students that want to Uh, learn coaching skills or some of my colleagues that want to do uh, have more of a coaching approach to teaching, which I do think is very much the future, Um, then it's a question more of uh, what kind of target group do you have? Is it something, a skill where you ask more, um, what do you want to contribute? How did you experience this session as a teacher? Or is it more about, um, I want to learn to deal with procrastination? Or I want to learn that I have procrastination uh, tendencies, or accept whatever. Um, or is it about um, dealing with grief? Is it about um, uh, yeah certain very harsh thoughts that you hold about yourself that impact how you, for example, bond with other people? And that is the distinction. Does that mm. answer your question? Yes.
0: Yes, it certainly does. Yes. I want to get back to something that you mentioned uh, just a few sentences ago—that you you like this uh, coaching approach to teaching as a, as a as a, as the future of, of teaching, and it um, um, it came back to me that uh, your your first advice or your first tip was to to seek help, uh, and uh, it reminded me of one of the. Um, advice that I suppose I would have in this case, which is to seek a mentor, seek multiple mentors for that matter. And um, within the university programs, often we have academic mentors who uh, in many ways are underused by by students, I would say, in the sense that um, uh, they can offer much more than just simply academic advice. They can offer advice on how to uh, develop through the first few years of university how to approach problems, how to approach challenges, how to think about um, creating opportunities for themselves. Um, is this what you mean by a coaching approach to teaching or am I misinterpreting this?
2: It can also mean that part. So and then I think it's about the accessibility, also clarifying, for example, I am a mentor, you can seek me for this types of questions. And that is then again, the coaching approach to teaching. That I do not just say who I am, but I clarify what my role is. I clarify what kind of questions you can come to me with. I, for example, also share what type of perspective I have, what kind of person I am to then elicit that identification process with this, from the student, with the mentor, right? I need to understand as a student, why would I go to this person in the first place, um but what i also mean is actually more in terms of the 21st century skills um that i do think many lecturers and of course there is a knowledge base that we hold and a knowledge base that we pass on for example when i make the distinction between coaching and therapy i have learned that i pass this on to the students and to this podcast and the listeners out there but then there is also the level where we need to acknowledge This will rapidly change in the next couple of years and the knowledge that I'm transmitting now will be very different then. So I think we need to prepare students to actually think themselves and be confident themselves. Not that we are not doing it, but I think the coaching skills can really facilitate that much more. What are you taking out of this exercise? How is that relevant for yourself to what part of your life does this relate to Um, in terms of thesis supervision for example to really why are you sitting here even if you didn't choose this topic maybe what can you take out for yourself and your future path and so that's what I mean in terms of coaching skills kind of facilitation skills as lecturers that are uncomfortable for some people but I think need to be the future because it will be changing very quickly and I think the main part That we can facilitate is actually that self-efficacy, that confidence in students to say, I hold a certain body, especially in psychology students, because I also teach at FAB, the Faculty of Economics and Business. They have a very different understanding of what skills they hold, which I find impressive. I actually like it. They know what they can bring to the table. Many psychology students think, oh, it's this wishy-washy, soft, skilly-billy kind of thing that I have learned here. But it's actually human skills. (laughs) And that is exactly the part that is missing. And one way to facilitate those skills or that reflection, personal reflection, um, is through Coaching, lecturing, coaching, leading, and that can also be in the form of a mentor. Definitely,
0: it sounds like your relationship with uh, the the term self efficacy has uh, has changed a lot since your uh, since your school years. Uh, what would you say is um What would you identify as the obstacles that we as an organization, as a university, face uh, when it comes to uh, uh, reaching these these goals of being more? As you call it, a uh, coach oriented approach?
2: Oh, this is a, I think, uh, a discussion that goes hand in hand with the discussion in the Netherlands or worldwide of academic excellence. So, what are we valuing uh, in terms of what kind of students are we producing? What kind, let's stay within the academic context. Let's assume somebody wants to pursue an academic career. So, what kind of portfolio does this person need to have? What kind of skills? Um, We are discussing in how far are we valuing quality over quantity? That also includes impact factors, right? So impact factor, one part that I find very important, societal contributions, um, considering diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, having everybody have access in the academic system, but also staying within the academic systems. Um, But also that kind of what some people define as the superstar model, that those that get the highest grants are going to be the best ones. Um, Not speaking about teamwork, but rather individual contributions. And I think that is something that we are also still doing. We are facilitating if you are the best, you are going to excel and you are going to fit in, in a way but it's not about when you're the best team player, when you can actually decide on a nice team where everybody has their unique contributions in terms of skills, background, um, whatever, then you're being a good academic. And, yeah, I think that that discussion um, or that skill, we do not hold yet to facilitate that in the students also. It's kind of a little baby that starts crawling at the moment.
1: I. I'd like to hover there a bit on skills, as you mentioned, and I, w- I was reminded of something that is, I think, a bit personally relevant for me right now, where you were talking about this difference between psychology students and maybe students of economics or business, uh, where here, our idea of the skills is a bit more broad of what we might possess as far as skills. You mentioned these human skills, which often fly under the radar, and with Students of economics or business, they might have a better idea of, oh, I've learned this, this is my focus. And personally, I think over the last years, I've had a bit of a difficult time understanding at what point it's appropriate to stop broadening and begin focusing on a select few skills or select few projects or interests because. I am a person naturally that I just find everything. I find so many things interesting. So, you know, it changes month by month. It it can be gardening one month. It can be podcasting as it has been this year. It, It can be, uh, sound engineering as I've also gotten through this, uh, podcast moment, but it can also be running. It can be cooking. It can be psychology engineering. I, the most recent one for me right now is I thought for so long that I would be going through this program and I thought at the end I want to become a coach or I want to become a clinical psychologist and as I approach this end I think to myself a bit more of maybe I would like to actually instead be programming and do some coding and working in data science and it's something that I've had a bit of difficulty trying to understand myself and trying to reckon with myself at okay I, is it is it really right for me to continue going down this path of just being open to everything? At what point is my personal uh, development? At what point do I need to make a decision? Okay, you need to pick two things or three things. I remember an entrepreneur friend of mine telling me this that it wasn't until he was told by his boss to have, you know, you're. I remember he was told by his boss something along the lines of. You're an extremely talented individual, but until you have that focus in this one area, you won't be able to achieve what you want to achieve. And sometimes I wonder the same about myself. So I I guess my I'm a bit self-therapizing here, but my my question, maybe to both of you, but certainly to you, Selena, is at what point do we need to is it is it important to find that focus area? And to resist the urge to maybe pivot, which, you know, for someone, I'm sure there's a lot of people, I think for a lot of psychology students, it feels so natural to do. A lot of us come into this degree as people that are social, that are a bit more extroverted, that find interests across the broad field of psychology, and then also in other fields such as art or political science. And at what point do we, or should we really say, okay, now I find one area which i'm really interested in
2: you're asking this question a generalist i think (laughs) uh, i'm the wrong person to answer this question um and at the same time maybe that's why i'm the right person to answer this question um i also often have this urge some people are so specialized they have so much focus they know where they're going they there is a path for them and I am one of these people also I'm involved in multiple things I develop on multiple levels I'm curious and open for multiple opportunities takes out a lot of focus sometimes it uh, is really annoying you don't see your own worth you think you're not good enough in any of the fields that you're pursuing. But then again, you do have a degree in um, multiple, what I understand, multiple disciplines. You have multiple perspectives. Um, I'm also a trained Agile manager. That's something that is not so... Clear in the psychology program, uh, but it is the idea that we need to become more flexible as organizations. We need to quickly react to changes in the environment. And when we are speaking about the business, business world, we are talking about how can we quickly adjust our products for example, to the fast-paced changing world around us. Generalists are needed, people that are able to think in different disciplines. And it's usually those that try a lot, that have more of an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, Of course, sometimes it also means to be reminded by our surroundings, woman, dude, just chill and focus on this for the next year. For me personally, it means to sometimes accept at the moment I am focusing, for example, in the last two years, I focused a lot on diversity, equity and inclusion, consulting and coaching. This year, um, I decided I want to focus more on individual coaching again, um, because I had no capacity for that, nor the drive. Um, But now I feel like I want to get an additional education again, some certificates. Um, But to be honest, I suddenly can speak to some employees on a completely different level because I learned to understand organizations in the last year. So I think it's sometimes telling retrospectively the red thread in our very, maybe messy, multifaceted, multiple opportunity engaged life to then be able to say the why and kind of being okay with that. I don't know if it's helpful. But that's my approach, because I am also almost jealous sometimes of those that know this is my career, this is my focus, but that's not me. And I will never be that person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, having a better idea of who you are and where that fits in. Do you have any thoughts that you'd like to add to
0: us? I thought what Selena says um, it was really beautiful and, and in so many ways, uh, elucidates my somewhat uh, chaotic thoughts on the on the topic um i noted down as you were talking column um that um you, you said that um it's about achieving what you want to achieve how do you do this actually it's uh, partly it's stated within the the question figuring out why you're doing something as selena was saying what you want to achieve through this um um activity, through this behavior, through this task, through this challenge allows you to find presence in it, allows you to find fulfillment in in going through it, and allows you to reflect and look back and think whether this was uh, done meaningfully, uh, whether you would have um, approached it differently with the wisdom, the, the, the um, uh, newly acquired wisdom that you have through this and it also gives you the groundedness to not compare yourself too much with people who have this or seemingly have this this clarity of focus. Um, I really appreciate what Selena says about um, um, a diversity of skills allowing you to also be able to pivot and to be flexible and to adapt. I think that in and of itself is an, is an incredible skill and uh, something that will stay with you Um, throughout your whole life and in all kinds of situations um i'm reminded um i think uh, i'm reminded of the conversation that we had um uh, a little bit earlier about authenticity Um, if immense focus and very narrow goals and you know uh, high peaks in a very specific domain are your your authentic self uh you go do that and if um if a broad spectrum of diverse skills and experiences is what really, truly flows out of you, uh, then then be good with this and accept what kind of successes this entails. I think we have a narrow idea. We talked about this in a previous episode when we talked about failure and success. We have a narrow idea of what it means to succeed. We have these very, very... Um, uh, uh, you know the, what, uh, Selena also mentioned earlier these these uh, these bright talents who reach the top through whatever actions, um, and this is um, there's nothing objective about this. It's a system that um, allows for this kind of behavior to shine and to be rewarded um, for for good reasons for bad reasons but it is a model it is not an objective truth and there are all kinds of successes in life that are less visible less uh, radiant in a in a in a broad perspective but just as meaningful to the individual so an authentic awareness of uh, who you are and what you want to achieve and what kind of experiences you want to have um is really important for uh identifying either prospectively or retrospectively your path Mm.
1: and how would you for someone that maybe has a difficult time identifying you know who they are would you have any advice for that because that is i think you know part of the problem of growing is not exactly knowing where
0: you are growing from or growing towards yeah i think um uh, selena has already mentioned a, a number of these certainly talking with people is uh, for me my uh, the, the best way um, I identify people whom you value and reflect with them ask for their advice um, reflect on yourself by understanding your experiences how they shaped who you are um, re um, um, recontextualize what you might consider as weaknesses or as strengths as characteristics of who you are and understand how you can use those to, uh, you know, uh, I'll do the bunny ears, uh, the floating quotation marks to fulfill your your potential. And by that, I think I simply mean to fulfill your goals. Um, see, um, see what works. See what feels good for you. Be open to understanding what gives you anxiety and what makes you joyful um and uh, accentuate the latter and uh try to um uh, build skills to reduce the anxiety in other situations so know
2: I liked what you said about uh t- speaking about the people around you actually this morning I got the question what kind of teacher do you want to be in 2 years or I had these questions especially in coaching we have them sometimes who do you want to be in 5 years i panic what a kind of person am I? Why do, not, do I not know what my path is? Uh, where do I want to go? People know this about themselves. And I have a very good friend and she says, Selena, we are not people that make these plans. And in moments where I, for example, panic or I think I should have this plan or that clarity, I go to that particular friend because the others also have very good advice. But I only need that one because it's the acknowledgement of chill. That's the way we're we're floating. That's the way we're rolling our boat, uh, floating our boat, whatever. But you know what I mean. And so I think it's also surrounding ourselves with those that are similar to us sometimes, but also actively seeking those that are very different because they really give us so much perspective. You mentioned earlier, sometimes uh, in, in psychology, we tend to have people that are on the higher spectrum of uh, extroverted skills. And I do think we also in society, it's the skills that we accept a little bit more. If we're aware, let's seek for those that are a bit more on the introverted skill scale, scale, because they really give a lot of observations and perspectives that I really don't see. I would see myself also on the higher scale. And I think that really, it's almost like these peer mentors around me, these people around me that keep me in check, that I can walk towards. And it can be for some, it's many, for some, it's few. But diversification there, definitely an advice.
1: Okay. Yeah, great. I think one thing I would also like to touch on before we, as we are approaching the end of maybe our conversation is, I would really like to touch about periods in which students or individuals in general feel like they are not growing or even feel like they're experiencing degrowth. And perhaps we can just kind of discuss maybe from our personal experiences with it or just our perceptions. Yeah, how difficult uh, a process like this, you know, the questions that naturally arise during those experiences, uh, the, the feeling of having little direction or, you know, being in a fast field with no path, so to say, like I can certainly, I feel like in periods in which I experience, it's, it's inevitably so linked to confidence, something that we all discussed a bit and it's such a confidence hitting moment and experience to have the feeling that, okay, have I been developing over the last year the last six months and from my it's also a very interesting thing to reflect back on these moments in which you had this feeling of degrowth or plateauing because often we reflect on these moments with a with rose-tinted glasses of this I needed that this was something that needed to happen in order for growth to continue occurring and perhaps we can kind of just uh, maybe add, I, I would re- request that you guys add your thoughts about, yeah, plateauing degrowth or just this
0: idea of growth that is non-linear. We can start by talking about growth as being very, very difficult. It's um, uh, any kind of uh, change and any kind of um, um development personal development is a is a very difficult thing it's not it doesn't happen very quickly it's a it's a very long-term game so to say and uh, it helps to have perspective perspective in all kinds of ways perspective in terms of um, um, comparing your um, your growth with others perhaps but also comparing, or not comparing, um, uh, looking at um, your personal development as um, relating to to your lifespan, to the amount of time that you devote to it, and recognize that, for example, during university years, even though we're talking about generally very accelerated personal growth, because the change is very big in your personal circumstances, the kind of challenges that you uh, are faced with are very new compared to the previous ones. Um, the amount of freedom that you have and the dizziness that is associated with this is is incredible. It's still a very short period of time in your adult life, in your entire life for that matter. So having the softness to acknowledge and to see um, uh, what degree of growth and in what areas this has been, and some of the areas are more visible than others, and um, uh, differently relevant to different people. Um, decide what it is that you want to develop, whether it's uh, values, whether it's um, uh, interpersonal skills, collaborative skills, uh, or what have you. And um, and um, be aware of what that what that path has, has been, and be accepting that it often comes with um, in in fits and starts. Certainly. Um, so take long-term perspective, take broad perspective and, um, and smile a lot about all the successes that you see in that path. Mm.
1: The thing that just really occurs to me is that it's so easy to recognize in moments when you're feeling good or confident or when you're experiencing growth to so recognize, although it's okay, that growth is nonlinear, that I will plateau. But then during these moments of plateauing, you question, why am I not growing? You know, why is it not? Why am I not progressing forward? And it's that ease of, yeah, recognizing that this is normal is gone in this moment. Do we have any idea why this is or any way that we can maybe try to lessen the effects of such a, yeah, debilitating thought?
2: maybe even spiraling backwards right Mm. um going back to behaviors thoughts that we thought we have become better at we are not engaging in this maybe critical thoughts maybe um not studying in the right way knowing that i could do and start earlier so maybe even growth of the feeling of I'm being even worse than I was uh, four months ago. And I think we cannot have this discussion without mentioning social media, because I think if it doesn't matter if you have LinkedIn or if you have Instagram or maybe you're still stuck on Facebook or possibly on TikTok, it doesn't matter. But um, the development that we see there is we are constantly exposed to we need to grow We always need to grow. (laughs) And I think Tassas mentioned a very nice point, being soft, right? Being soft towards ourselves, being gentle, and particularly in higher education, um, or let's call it academic education, I'd like to make that distinction to not say lower and higher or practical. But anyways, to actually acknowledge that somehow we always think we need to grow, always. And this is reinforced all around us. So to distance ourselves from that idea is extremely challenging. And to actually, of course, there are streams also on social media, acknowledging moments of sadness, being um, failing. I have a party this week to celebrate my biggest failure with my friends. Um, I've never done this before, but I do need to do it because there's nothing good about this. I have been procrastinating over something for seven years. Um, There is really, you could say, I have had some meaning in this, but sometimes it's also really not the case. Um, So I would also say, sometimes letting go of this idea of constantly having to grow is quite liberating. And that goes more into the humanizing, what you mentioned, the normalizing experience of well we're all just human uh that's life in a way and to then say maybe you can call it growth because you're acknowledging that you're accepting it in psychological terms or let's say acceptance and commitment coaching terms that would actually be a growth in that setting um but indeed why always grow odd message but yeah
1: yeah i think that's a a very odd but beautiful message, and perhaps a good one to close on uh, with this idea of growth just being one of many values, you know, not the end all be all of what we, of uh, the purest measure of our success, but just something to consider. And I think that is a beautiful way to close this conversation. I would really like to thank you for joining us and for your contributions. It was. Really lovely to listen to. So thank
0: you, Selina.
2: Thank you so much to the two of you. Very cool that you invited me.
0: Thank you, Selina, for being here. As as um, as is usually the case, I leave this uh, recording studio uh, with a lot of new thoughts, with a lot of um, 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 a, a lot more connection to the world around me. This is one of the reasons why I really appreciate this project. I somehow in this. A somewhat sterile environment feel a lot more connected to my community and a lot more connected to the to the uh to the values that i so hold dear in, um in tertiary education thank you for for reaffirming all of this and thank you once more to
1: our listeners uh, you've been listening to episode eight where we talked about individual and personal growth or development and we have one last episode before the end of the season before the summer break and you can catch that very soon after the release of this episode. And thank you once more to listening to the Degrees of Freedom podcast.
0: This podcast was a production of the University of Groningen.